And so I used to ask designers to help me out, but the reality is that design is one component of presentation design. I believe that uh, there is much more. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 32 of season two. I think we'll actually stop to count those of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by us at Presentation Agency P56 Labs. I'm Boris, the founder of the company and your host for this episode. And today, together with us, is an author, a speaker, and someone who also, as us, truly, truly cares about effective presentations. Maurizio Lacava. Do I pronounce that right? Perfect. Is it right? That is correct. Okay. Uh, he is the author of two books, Lean Presentation Design and Startup Pitch Presentation. He's also an associate professor and teaches, listen to this one, presentation and pitching strategies at, I wouldn't try to pronounce the name of the university, but a university in Milan, Italy. And he also works with a lot of startups to help them uh, with their investor pitches. Surely he does a lot more uh, than what I mentioned. And that's why I'm saying... Welcome, uh, Mauricio, to the podcast. And tell us, what did I miss? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me here today, boys. It's really a, ple a pleasure to be here and share with you uh, about our different point of views on uh, the presentation work. Uh, yeah. What did you miss? <laughs> um, what can I tell you? I'm, I people define me like the lean presentation guy. Right. Okay. Um, as you, as as it probably, I would say, happens to you. We are often seen as the guys who can make presentations more beautiful, but the reality is uh, that uh, behind uh, our job there is uh, much more idea. Because first of all, and this is one of the things that I do love about what we do is uh, uh, capability of listening to people and understanding what they're really trying to communicate. Then what we do, we are a catalyst of, of the communication, I believe. So what we do is we try to convey their stories and their messages to people so that we can help them value their ideas and spread them so that they are adopted and they can trigger action and change thanks to their ideas. How, after all, as uh, quoting uh, the mom of the uh, right presentation design, Nancy, uh, she says, uh, you can have the brightest idea ever, but if you're not able to communicate it properly, then uh, it will just die with you, right? Yeah, but let's start also, like, give us a little bit of background of how did you, give us the backstory of how did you, like, what happened with you and presentations? How did you get started there? Because our industry is very strange in a way, no one actually started with presentation <laughs> for some reason. It is true. How did you get involved in presentations? It is. Yeah, it, it is true. We, we operate in a very weird and fragmented industry, I believe. Um, the way I started is because of a personal need. Um, so I used to work uh, as a management consultant first in Accenture. Then I did work in marketing, national marketing for Ferraro in chocolate, Ferraro Rochelle, if you know it. Uh, and uh, what I discovered very soon is that uh, whether I was selling processes to a bank or bunnies, chocolate bunnies to a supermarket, uh, at the end of the day, my success, the success of my career, the success of my company, my business, was all depending on my capability to be fast and effective 
are producing presentations. Now, what I notice is that, um, consider that I come from an engineering school. So I'm, the, I'm not a designer, I'm an engineer. And uh, as an engineer, I've always um, been taught that uh, before you do something, you should follow a specific approach, right? That you should have an approach that you can iterate in the future that can take you um, effectively and efficiently to the solution. And this is always like that. When you do uh, data crunching, you analyze sales, you work with financials, you work with processes, uh, you modelize organizations. You always have a framework uh, of reference to do that. But when it, when it came to presentations, you have nothing. You have books, yes. You have books that you can read. You have plenty of things, well, at least 10 years ago, you didn't have all of the things, but now you have more and more materials. And what happens is that I think that at the beginning, most of the materials were more for designers than business people. Um, if you were not creative, you were kind of, I, I felt I was kind of cut out uh, from this world, but I had this need. And so at the beginning, I, I used to ask designers to help me out, but the reality is that design is one component of presentation design. I believe that uh, there is much more. And so everything started because I felt that presentation design um, is something that needs uh, design skills on one side, communication, storytelling skills, but also business understanding and critical thinking. And uh, uh, I was struggling to find uh, uh, a, a strategic approach to presentations that could take me uh, through uh, the design and the engineering of presentation from the starting to the slides in PowerPoint keynote, whatever it is, uh, in a straightforward way. So when I when I saw this, that was something that was uh, missing to me, and I saw that it was uh, required because I thought it was a need, not just my need, but the need of all my colleagues, the organization I was working for, then I said, okay, why it's missing? Uh, let's stop complaining about the fact that it's missing and let's try to create something. Yeah, so that, then, is that the reason why you wrote the Lean Presentation Design? Um, this is, so the Lean Presentation Design has been uh, a consequence of these thoughts, I would okay. say. Uh, because what I started at the beginning, when I... Uh, left the corporate world and I started involving uh, myself into the presentation world. I didn't start with the lean presentation design. I didn't start with uh, the approach itself, but I did start with practice. So what I did first and foremost was uh, I started designing presentations for the others because my first thing was, okay, I need to learn how these work. Uh, I need to learn more about presentation. Now I came from marketing, so I, I wasn't starting from zero, but still there was a lot of uh, a lot of steps to do. So I, I started practicing and experiencing uh, making presentations myself for clients all over the world in different industries from startups to large corporates. And, uh, and But the way I was doing that was not just to provide a service. The way I was doing it was uh, to better understand world. Uh, but I didn't want just to study it because I was studying it, yes. Uh, but I wanted to, re to really understand it from the real world, from the field. And so this experience led me to uh, create the Lean Presentation Design uh, methodology. Yeah, so I think that every single time people, especially who are looking for 
some help, you know, with presentations, they always have to be, meaning the corporates or the startups, as you said, they always have to double check. And one of the asks that I have for everyone who is looking for help in that area, in the presentation area, is to always double check the people that you're hiring. Are they actually presenters? Have they, did they do that at all? Like, do they have the on-field in the real world, experience in various formats, in front of various audiences so that they have the real world and they understand the nuances because it's one thing to read it in a book. Yeah. It's completely different to listen, to work with, or to be taught by somebody who has the real world experience. It's just, you can feel it, you can sense it. It's different. I mean, it's different. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a very good point And this is very important to me. Uh, I I believe that if you really want to create something that can help people, that is valuable to people, uh, first, you need to make it work. It's not just you do some research, you put information together, and then you put it out there. Because that's, I mean, everybody could do that. And then what, what have you produced? You've produced a wrap-up. Now, in this world, is is full of wrap-ups. And uh, I suffered that very much because when I was studying, I did find the uh, a lot of materials which were which was either too generic or either coming from uh, research but not real practice uh, now the point is when when you find yourself in front of a presentation when you find yourself in front of a storyline and you have to turn it into something that actually talks to people makes them excited about your idea about the idea of the people you're trying the person you're trying to help now are you really able to take the presentation, crunch it, and uh, turn the storyline into something that actually engages people and design the slides that support the storyline. Can you actually bring this concept to life? Really, can you do that? Can you be faster doing that? If you can do that, then I'm happy to listen and uh, I would like to learn from you. But if you if you can't, then why are you here? I mean, yeah. This is what I would have asked uh, to myself if I were a client. Me. Yeah, absolutely. So what about the startup pitch presentation book? Like what happened there? Like that is, to be honest, I we have the lean presentation design, but the startup pitch presentation yesterday, we because we talked internally that today we're going to record the episodes and a colleague of ours was like, do we have the startup pitch presentation in our library? I'm like, you know what? We don't. And we ordered it yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, so there was a little bit about that. Book. What's it? <laughs> Okay. Well, first of all, I'm 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 very honored about the fact that you uh, bought the book, and I would really look forward uh, for uh, your expert feedback about about the about the book. It's um it's a beautiful story, the sort of pitch presentation book, because uh, I did work a lot. I I work a lot in the startup world. I'm very passionate about startups. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I find that startup pitch presentations are like presentations, but more extreme. Mm. So I, I do love them because you can find all the peculiarities and the characteristics that you find in a traditional presentation, but led to extreme. Why? Because in, in pitch presentations, you have like five minutes to pitch it out. And the second, you cannot fail. It's not a presentation that you can repeat. Okay. If you fail, you don't get funded. And so you have very few you have minutes to pitch it and to convince investors that your idea is the one best on instead of the others. It's something that is for founders. You do not delete it. And so, you know, here I I felt the same struggle that I felt with lean presentations because if you have to structure a pitch presentation for a start, where would you start? How would you end, end it up? Which sections 
that need to be absolutely included within a presentation, each presentation. So the first time I, I, I wondered and I asked myself how these questions, uh, I went on Google and I looked for, for an answer. And what you find on Google is plenty of structures. So you have the pitch structure recommended by uh, Sequoia Capital, the one recommended by Polygram, the one recommended by uh, 500 startups, and the one recommended by Guy Kawasaki, and so on and so forth. Right? Everybody is telling you which structure you should use. So what I what I thought is hey, this is a presentation that is too important to me or to founders. Um, so I cannot just rely on one structure. I need to understand. I need to have one structure that is actually the best structure. But which one is it? Because shall I trust the biggest investment fund or shall I trust the most famous startup incubator? Shall I trust the best selling author? Who shall I trust? So what I did was uh, I did a long research period in which I studied, I collected all the structure that I could find. Then I did collect uh, all the pitches that actually raised money, like a pitch from Facebook, Airbnb, LinkedIn, and so on and so forth. Not mentioning the most famous one, but there are many. So I collected a few hundred pitches, uh, and then I extracted the structure that they used when they did succeed. Then I put everything together. I shaked a bit, <laughs> and <laughs> I came up with one structure uh, that is uh, a structure that learns from the best pitches, from the experiences of important fund funds, venture capital funds, or important incubators. So I, I condensated everything and uh, I uh, came up with this structure that I tested for years. I do coach startups. I've been coaching startups for years at a startup incubator from Technological University in Milan. And so I tried and practiced this structure in the years until I get to the point in which it was exactly the, the, the structure that I needed. I did raise millions with this structure for my startups. And once I got this point, then I decided to tell the story of this structure and to uh, help founders to use this structure, uh, this, this structure of their own. So what I did, I, I, I published this book, which is Startup Pitch Presentation, which I basically tell you the structure of how I came up with this structure and how you can use it yourself. So what is the biggest mistake startup founders are doing when they're approaching investors and when they're trying to raise funds in regards to their presentation? Like if you have to name one or two or the top three, I don't know, like what, what are you seeing? You're working a, a lot with those type of companies. What, what are you seeing? They go long. They don't respect timings. Okay. That's number one in your head. This is one of the top three, I think. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yes. Second, yeah. um, anything else? They start talking about themselves. Wow. All right. That is, and that is bad. <laughs> okay. While I believe they should start talking about the problem. Okay. Not about themselves. And they panic. They often wow. panic. They go long, they panic, and they talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. Why yeah, are those I... things happening? I saw, I, I have seen with our customers the same three for sure. I actually saw... <laughs> One year ago, a year and a half ago, I saw blackouts, meaning they actually learned the presentation by heart and they, ah. like, they just blacked out during the presentation in front of the investors and they did it twice. So that one failed. Uh, let's just put it this way, because as you said, if you are not able to present your product, like how can, mm -hmm. how can an investor trust you to operate yes. with their money? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard. So why do you think those things happen? Like, those three things. Well, I think this is very much correlated to what you're saying, Boris. You know, um, why do people learn presentations by art? Because they are afraid of uh, showing up and giving the speech, right? Which is 
totally natural, I believe, um, because you know when you when you go out and uh, you are in front of people, you have time constraints because you have five minutes and you have to say within the five minutes and you are giving the presentation that will on which it will depend whether your company will be funded or not i mean i think everybody is allowed to feel some pressure it requires experience uh, to manage this uh, pressure for sure what people do at the beginning if they don't have enough experience they learn it by heart but it depends what you said. And that's why I agree with you. I would never recommend to learn presentations by heart because if you do so, the moment in which you go under stress, the first thing that will happen to you is you will go black out for sure. So I think the things are correlated to the fact that you feel a lot of responsibility on one side and therefore you have you don't want to fail. You cannot afford to fail because it's too risky for you and for the other people. This is on one side. And on this, there is not much that I can tell you apart from do it as many times as you can. This is what I tell to my startups. Every opportunity to give a pitch is a great opportunity. So just go out and do it because you need to earn as much experience as possible. And this is like the most important thing I believe for the delivery. Um, for if you start talking about yourself, it's because we are not prepared enough. Because I mean, uh, if you study and you don't need to study my structure. If you study on the web and you go and source other structures about pitch um, presentation, I mean, every serious structure that has really funded, has really got got some funding. To me, a serious structure is a structure that landed some funding. If it is a structure that comes out from, all, all, that comes out of the blue and it hasn't fund, funded startups, then it's not a serious structure for me. But if you have, if you, find any serious structure that actually got some funding out there, some serious funding, uh, no, structure start, no structure starts with the, the team. Every, or, or talking about yourself or talking about your solution. Every good structure starts with a problem. Eventually, there are some others that say that you should start with the, the elevator pitch. So a sentence that in, in a sentence summarize what it, it is your solution about. But it's a sentence and then you and then you start with the problem. Uh, if you start talking about yourself, um, this is who I am, this is my team, this is what we have done, nobody cares about that. So, I mean, not at the beginning of a pitch. I'm being, I'm, I'm being a bit of extreme, I know, maybe a bit provocating, but I see, like, I counted them last year, I see 200 plus pitches per year, and I can tell you that when I see this, this drives me nuts. Yeah. Do you know where I saw, because every rule obviously has an, there is always an exception to the rule, Right. Uh, I can tell you one case where I saw the team slide going probably second or third and it mm. worked. But again, okay. this is, as you said, exception to the rule, because I completely, completely support what you're saying here. The case was when the team itself was like just plain and simple rock stars. Okay. And I mean, insanely popular people with multiple successful startups and exits, right? Mm -hmm. And they use that to build credibility at the beginning and tell you, hey, chill, we know what we are doing, you know? Like we yeah, have done. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, okay, this is a very interesting example. Uh, you know, there is a famous quote. Um, I think it's from uh, uh, the founder of Pixar, I believe. Um, and it says, uh, you can have a brilliant idea. You put it into the hands of uh, a bad team, it will be a failure. But... If you have uh, a bad idea and you have a good, a very good team, then eventually they will come up with a better one and they will succeed. So I would definitely agree with you that if you if you have a 
such a brilliant team, then eventually the idea doesn't even matter. It's a matter of people. Yeah. So it, what about yeah. what about what about you also have an add-in for PowerPoint? Like what was the name of the add-in <laughs> and how did you end up doing an add-in? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another story. Well, yes, I. So the, the add-in is called MLC PowerPoint add-in. MLC standing for Maurizio Lacalle. Plain and simple. Yeah, um, it's mentioned a few times in the book, or also in the Lean Presentation Design for sure. Yes, I I do mention it because this is uh, my magic wand. I do uh, create buttons for PowerPoint. Uh, simply said, um, why? Because um, because of a simple reason. I believe that uh, there are Let's put it this way: if you can, if you can use tricks to be faster and accurate, in I think you should do that. And uh, software can help us a lot, even though it's not easy. Because uh, I mean, I've been inventing buttons for PowerPoints now for the last five years at least, and I've invented twenty plus buttons. And I can tell you that at the beginning, uh, the reason why I invented it, it was was for uh, winning. Uh, competitions against my competitors. So it happens that at the beginning, I had, I was, um, you know, when uh, we as agencies, it must have happened to you as well, I believe you are in pitch with the other agencies. And uh, it happens that timing is crucial to the client. Also, always timing is crucial to the client when it comes to presentations, especially because presentations always come to the last minute. Then the client realizes that they cannot sort it out. And so they contact you and they always go like, uh, the presentation is tomorrow. We didn't know you exist, and uh, and now uh, we need we need you to save our lives because on this presentation it depends on our career. New clients always go like that, and so I needed to be fast. And being fast uh, was a competitive advantage. Uh, so at the very beginning, uh, the, the the what I taught myself was I need to be faster than I am. Uh, the way I work with PowerPoint is way weird. Um, and I do take care about each click that I do on my keyboard or my mouse. Uh, so I really count them. And I spend time observing people, how they work on PowerPoint, counting their clicks by task. So I'm really obsessed about optimizing the way we work on PowerPoint and the speed. And therefore, every time I find recurring tasks that can be automated through functions, I, I just invent the buttons. And so I ended up inventing several buttons. And I, I have a huge pipeline. It's just that I come, I'm always come up with new buttons and my team hate me for that. But uh, I think that once they find the button and they try it, then they sometimes they change their mind. But anyway, it's, uh, it's a matter of being faster at producing more accurate presentations. At the end of the day, I decided uh, people saw me using it and my clients started asking me for it. Uh, so I decided to make a product out of it. And uh, today it's available on my website. Everybody can buy it. Yeah. So MLC add-in for PowerPoint. Go check it out. Yeah. That is very interesting one, obviously, in the background. Because I was I was sure that the Accenture experience was behind that because mm -hmm. Accenture and the corporate experience and that place pushes you to optimize your workflow incredibly, I think. At least that was my, my that was my experience when I was in the corporate I'm world, especially with email. It's just insane, right? If you are Absolutely. not able to optimize your email, you're going to die. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you actually uh, touched a very interesting point because uh, our management consulting firms, they all have their own ad. So when I was in Accenture, at the beginning, I didn't have it. Uh, but after a while, I discovered uh, we had one and I started using it. Um, the, I 
I, I, I partially loved it uh, because uh, some of the functions were very useful and some of them, uh, I have them today in my add-in, for example, swapping shapes or making different shapes, same size, very simple one. I, I do have them. Um, but then the problem with the management consulting add-ins is that they are specific to the company. So you have a lot of materials uh, specific to the company specific uh, and so not all of them are always very useful if you're not part of the company um, and therefore you know uh, it's uh, uh, you might want to use them or not but they're not very useful if you're not part of the company and plus uh, I uh, you know there are things that I uh, that are against the way I think about presentations uh, because the, the way I think about presentation is as much as possible uh, not to use templates. Now, my add-in has some templates that we design, yes, but for example, I don't like to use smart arts or pre-made things that are commonly used that you can find everywhere uh, because I believe that every message deserves its own design. Yeah, can't agree with you more. Next one on my end, the world changed. <laughs> yeah. You moved from Italy, right now you're in Dubai where the weather is, <laughs> as we discussed, brilliant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the world changed everyone is presenting online or at least most of us are presenting online and it seems like we're going to be doing that for quite a lot of time what are you advising the students that you are teaching what are you advising the people that you're working to change to do in a different manner like what are the things Thank you, Boris. This is a very interesting uh, um, topic, and I'm working a lot on this topic. Uh, I'm working and producing uh, new materials and giving a lot of speeches on this topic. Uh, so, you know, um, when you give a presentation online, I believe that uh, several things change and several others stay the same. They say the same, I mean, because uh, um, some, I mean, you have to have an effective storyline. This has changed. You have to have uh, a good design, good enough for the specific experience. So a design that adapts to uh, a screen sharing session, actually. Um, but there are things that actually change. You don't have people in front of you, right? You cannot see them. And so how do you actually interact with them? Um, I believe that there are several ways to trigger interaction online. Here, uh, technology plays an important role. So what I think is, first and foremost, you should think how people how, how people see and uh, hear uh, you during uh, uh, a presentation. Um, how do they see you? Um, the, the camera is important. Uh, I mean, camera is important. And so I believe that uh, we shouldn't use, as most of us do, uh, the webcam from our computer if you really want to know it because most of the time it's not positioning at the right height and most of the time it's not as good in quality as, for example, the camera of your smartphone can be. So what I do is most of the time I try to use my smartphone instead of my uh, laptop camera because the quality is way, way better. You can do that with apps. You have apps like Epocam or IvyCam that can turn your uh, iPhone or uh, whatever. I, I have an iPhone, but it could be whatever smartphone with Android as well. Uh, that can turn your smartphone with, uh, uh, into, into a camera that you can select from your Zoom, Teams, WebEx, Google Meet, whatever tool you're using. And these are very powerful apps. Most of them are for free, uh, but they can, uh, they can really turn your smartphone into camera. Then I use a tripod. Uh, small tripod, you can buy it for $10 on Amazon uh, so that I can decide which height is good for um, my for my uh, smartphone and so that you can actually see me properly when I'm presenting. See me properly means that you can see my hands 
so that I can use my hands, which give, uh, which and gestures, you know, uh, give power to your communication and makes make make you more empathetic. Even though we are behind the screen, but this helps a lot. Trust me on that. So this is one trick about technology. Um, uh, I think uh, as much as possible. Uh, caring about background noise. Now, this I haven't tested it yet, but uh, I know that the, there are some nice solutions about uh, uh, background noise. So there are some softwares that actually can clean it while you are giving the conference. I was reading about these softwares recently. I haven't tested them out, but if they work, I believe uh, uh, we should definitely test them. Teams or Zoom, they have their own filters. Uh, you can try to uh, turn them on and uh, off and see the difference. So this uh, can help can uh, really uh, help you help you a lot. Um, I do use a lot the presenter view of PowerPoint. I believe this is fundamental when uh, you work with presentations, especially when you work with presentations online, but generally speaking with presentations. Why? Because I don't like when speakers read their own slides. So I don't like when people wait for the next slide to come out and then read and comment on it. I believe you should anticipate your next slide. To do that, um, presenter view is uh, an amazing uh, tool to um, to be used, and so here uh, this implies a little bit of setup to do that. So when you give a presentation online and you share your screen, what happens is that if you want to trigger the presenter view, normally you should have at least two screens. But but you can even do that with just one screen with the secret shortcut in PowerPoint. I mean. Um, I, I struggled a bit to find this out, but there is a shortcut. You know, when you want to go to presenter view in PowerPoint, you use F5 on your keyboard, right? Everybody knows that. But if you go, uh, if you do that, you won't trigger the presenter view if you just have one screen. So if you have one screen and you want the presenter view, what you can do is combine F5 with the Alt uh, uh, button on your keyboard. So you do Alt and F5. And then you get the presenter view uh, in another window on the same screen. So then with your uh, Teams or Zooms or video conferencing, video conferencing app, what you can do is you share your screen. But instead of sharing just the screen, you share the app. And which app? You share the full screen slide. So uh, I know I'm being a bit technical here, but I'm sure that when people will really listen to the post cuts, they, we, they will uh, probably pick it up. Uh, and uh, this means that what people will see will be the full screen slide. What you will see on your screen will be the presenter view of power. So you will have uh, you will have the opportunity to basically have a small, uh, let's say, uh, control panel where you will always see the next slide coming. But you can also change. Uh, you can also choose which slide you want to jump to during a presentation. And these are all things that you can do during a presentation online because uh, nobody sees you while you're doing that. Or, I mean, it's not you are standing in front of people. Standing versus sitting also is a good tip that we can share today. I don't know what's your opinion on that, Boris, uh, but you know that there are people who say that when, you, when, when we present, even virtually, we should be standing. Now, most of the time, honestly, I'm sitting because it's more comfortable to me and I have my setup with the multiple screens and my laptop close to my hands. But I did try in the past to uh, give some presentation uh, standing. And it actually makes a difference, I believe. When you're standing, it's more natural for you to use a gesture. You stand straight because when we see one common mistake that we commit is uh, we tend to uh, bend and therefore we suffocate our voice. So we always have to think about uh, uh, being straight, which when you're sitting is not easy. 
Um, but I think it helps a lot with your voice. Also nowadays we work from home. So we just wake up, we go to the computer, we just woke up. And so our voice is like very, very, very weak. So sometimes we should warm it up before we connect to the first conference or at least wake up at least 30 minutes before, before you connect to the first conference. I know you're joining it in pyjama, but at least warm it up and we're out. I mean, we could spend days talking about digital presentations. I hope I could share some experience. Uh, this is, these are first tips that come to my mind from really from my experience these days, because I think everybody's experiencing it and learning a lot on the go. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm completely owing for all of your advices, just to recap, standing up the out and F5 for PowerPoint, that one people will find magical. I mean, that one, a lot of people are just asking, hey, but I just have one screen. Can I get my presenter view? Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, yes, you can. There are some tricks and tips and tricks that you can use out in F5, obviously, is one of those. Uh, I would support you on the sound part when you said, hey, there is just these background noises. Both Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Cisco WebEx have these features now embedded, right? The question is that people, what I see with our customers is that they don't keep track of what new features those companies release. And yeah. so they don't know that the background noise filter or feature is there. They have it, mm -hmm. but because they are not keeping track of, and I always, always push them to keep track of this. And we personally, for example, I personally use a tool that's called visualping.io where you can place the release notes of each of those platforms because they have these release notes pages where they publish what are the updates. You just Google release notes, Zoom, release notes, Cisco WebEx, release notes, Microsoft Teams. You copy those three URLs, right? Those three links, and you paste them into visualping.io. And that service actually checks for whether or not that page changed. And if that page changed, it sh sends you an email. So you don't have to do anything, you know. But if a page changes, that means that one of those companies actually announced something, right? And this way you can keep track of what's new and what's in the platforms. Zoom, for example, is like on a weekly basis, they update something. It's insane. I mean, these guys are crazy. Microsoft and Cisco at least update on a monthly basis, but Zoom are updating on a weekly basis. And just to add one, the, the video and what you said, all of those apps and using the iPhones, we actually saw people, we advise them the same, as you said, and they actually said, wait a minute, we have this old iPhone that we are not using for anything. Why don't we repurpose that? And still, as you said, when they turned on the back camera of the iPhone, it was on an old iPhone. It was so much better than the webcam, right? Just so much, so much better. One last, the one that you may want to check in regards to background removal, they are not sponsoring the episode and they decided to not sponsor the conference, but I will not touch on that one. Uh, <laughs> they're called, they called crisp.ai. You may have heard about ah, those guys. Yeah. yeah, you may have heard about those guys. Uh, and for everyone who is listening, crisp.ai is a very interesting, interesting tool for noise and background noise removal. However, now that you have them in Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Cisco mm -hmm. WebEx, it's tricky whether or not you are going to pay for something additional, but 
even though they have some free stuff, but crisp AI for everyone that wants to hear about uh, and wants to check that uh, stuff. Wow, that was very practical. Like a lot of practical things coming out of you from you <laughs> today for some reason. <laughs> Brilliant. So you, we were talking about, like we covered a lot, obviously, and it's already 40 minutes. I don't know. It is 40 minutes, actually. So wow. where... Before we ask, before I ask you where can people reach out, connect, whatever, is there somebody that you can think of that made an impression on you in the presentation industry or somebody who is coming from the business field or a founder or whoever, you know, that you think they really understand presentations or they really seem to care about presentations that we should try to get on the podcast? Is there a name? Um, yes, I would, I would say so. Um, I, I would actually, uh, I would actually mention the, um, there is a person who taught me at the beginning how to stand in front of a crowd and, uh, do not panic as we were saying before. So she taught me how to actually deliver an effective speech. And uh, I found her very inspiring, uh, the way she taught me, because it was very concrete. And she was something who was doing that, really. Um, so her name is Fiona. And uh, I can definitely um, help you out with connecting with her, if you like. Um, but definitely, I think she would be uh, added value to this podcast because... Uh, because what she teach, what she taught me, uh, really made the difference from uh, being very shy and when uh, standing in, even in in a, in a conference, in, even in the meeting room, uh, not with many people, uh, to uh, presenting with confidence. So what is, what is her name again? Fiona. Fiona. Okay. Mm -hmm. We need to yeah, find her on LinkedIn. Okay. We need to find her on LinkedIn somehow. Do you know her I will, name? I will, I will connect you with her if you like. Okay, perfect. Because I, I wanted to kind of share that with everyone so that if she's ah. in the world of presentations, at yes, least she is. they can follow, uh, they can follow yeah. her work. So it's Fiona Talbot. Okay. That is an interesting family name. Uh, she's from the UK. All right. Yeah, that, that now makes sense. Actually. That is a popular <laughs> family there. Okay, we will definitely try to reach out or you introduce us to her and everyone who is listening to this one, take a look at her work. Obviously, you can learn something from her too. So where can people find more about you? We are going to make sure that we are going to link and put links to the books and to the add-in. But what is the best way for people to connect? MauricioLaCava.com So my name and surname.com I only have one website, and uh, that is where you will find everything about me. I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. If you like to connect, guys, I'm happy to be in touch. Uh, but where you can find all my resources and uh, you can learn more about the presentation design is mauricioelacava.com. Okay, so we will link all of this in the podcast show notes. So everyone, check them out. Again, thanks, Mauricio, for joining. 
We can obviously talk about this topic for hours and hours, but hey, if you have any questions, let us know. Shoot us a message on any social media platform and we'll make sure that we reply to you and help you. Visit p56lab.com to see what we are doing and how we can help you and your company write, design and deliver truly effective presentations. And do not forget, present to succeed. Our conference, the biggest presentation skills event in the world is coming in April. So make sure you get your ticket now. Thanks for listening. And in case you found this episode useful, and I'm sure you did, subscribe to the podcast and why not even leave us a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. We would appreciate it. Thanks again and see you in the next one. Bye.